Well, hello, hello, hello. Today is December the 19th. This is Born on This Day. I am Bill Antonio. What? Yes. <laughs> I'm Amanda Barker. We're so happy to have you with us on December 19th. This is the podcast that looks at all the qualities, celebrations, and famous people that were born on this day. So if you're a December 19th baby having a birthday today, well, we wish you a very happy one. Bill, it's... Yes. Uh, it's about to get really, uh, really sweet and really hard up in here. Actually, what it's going to do, Amanda, is get very annoying because uh, in the middle of my monologue that I'm beautifully delivering from the stage, from the audience, we're about to hear five <laughs> minutes of Crinkle Crinkle. Go ahead and tell us what today is, Amanda. Well, with that, it is National Hard Candy Day. Okay, why? Do people normally eat that much hard candy in their life that they need they can't get through a 90-minute play without well, opening them? Diabetics need it, right? Because it's a really quick infusion of sugar when your blood blood sugar gets very low, and right. I imagine that's a common concern when you're much older. So I think it is something that the older set, uh, at least of a certain generation, turn to to um, keep them alive during four-hour performances of Hamlet. The problem is they think it's better to unwrap it slowly rather than to just pull that Band-Aid and get it off. So <laughs> I have sat through 10 excruciating minutes of that sound trying to keep a performance going. To the like, Some of them are so loud. I'm like, do you have a bag of like Chips Ahoy out there or something that you're it's reaching crazy. into? Enough with the bag. It's it's such an interesting phenomenon. I mean, maybe it's mints, people wanting to have better breath maybe. for the for the close quarters that a theater audience uh, brings. Um, you know, maybe it is, um, yeah, maybe it's a blood sugar thing. Uh, maybe it's cough drops. Maybe they don't want to have a coughing fit in the audience. I don't know. That's probably but- a thing too. It's uh, anyway. It is National Hard Candy Day. Uh, it is separate is ce- celebrated um, in the United States and beyond on December nineteenth. Did you know the first hard candies were like lemon drops and peppermints, and they were actually a remedy for stomach ailments. I did know that. Interesting. And like in two thousand, we, we both did English degrees, but I focused on Victorian romantic and Victorian lit. <laughs> yeah, you're all the consumption all the time. That's right. um, in 2015, Jolly Rancher actually surpassed Werther's as the best-selling hard candy. Amazing. So that just shows we used to be a Werther's nation, and uh, now we're we're into the life. The of Werther's are caramels, though. That's different. But a hard caramel, still a hard candy. I don't know. I I take issue with this designation, quite frankly. <laughs> I don't remember my grandmother ever reaching for a an old Jolly Rancher at the bottom of her purse. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I am that grandmother. I, I literally pulled out a Starburst from my purse and I was like, bonus. and it was from the drive-in last August, oh God. December. Uh, I, I have one of people where if I overturn and up, like empty your purse on the table, it'll be yes. like a CSI situation. Like I don't know 100%. what's happened all over the country based on what I find. One time I found jerky in my purse and I ate it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I can't believe I'm that woman who just found jerky in her purse open and then was like, yeah, but I'm hungry. And went for it. Those women become the woman who finds it in her bra. Just warning you. Become. Become. Please. Do you know what it's like when I shower at night? How much comes out? Anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, True story. I had a friend who lost half a bagel when she was pregnant in her body and only found it when she took a shower. Um, a whole half a bagel all day in, in her blood. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> she the was able to. The breast can conceal quite a lot. 
It sure can. Well, uh, a Sagittarius born on today walks an emotional tightrope. But listen, if you were born today, you are fearless. You are the strong, silent type. And you're the type of person who really does need to make a contribution to society through your work or through your ideals. You have a commitment to personal goals, which marks you as a success story. And that is probably true for a lot of the people that we're going to talk about today. Oh, yes. Well, let's see who that's true of. First up, close to home, Amanda. Annie Murphy was on episodes of Rookie Blue and Flashpoint before the short-lived series The Plateaus was followed by her being cast on the show that has made her an Emmy winner, the comedy Schitt's Creek, which has just finished after six seasons. She was born on this day in Canada in 1986. Are you a Schitt's Creek fan? No, but I don't mind it. I'm, I've never gotten... I've, I don't think I've gotten past like two seasons of it so far. I, I've been crawling through it slowly. I, you know, I... I I don't know what to say about it. I, it's not something that's really like won me over completely, but I get why people like it. Fair enough. Jake Gyllenhaal is the son of director Stephen Gyllenhaal and Oscar-nominated screenwriter Naomi Faulkner, making his film debut at 11 in the comedy City Slickers before playing a small role in his parents' 1993 filler, thriller, rather, <laughs> A Dangerous Woman. He came to critical notice with his performance as real-life rocket scientist Homer Hickman in October Sky and found stardom with his roles in Jarhead, Zodiac and Brokeback Mountain, for which he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, wasn't he in Requiem for a Dream as well? No, that's what? Jared Leto. Oh, I mean, they are the same actor, are they not? Anyway. Mm, no. I, would, <laughs> I would let Jake Gyllenhaal babysit before I would let Jared Leto. <laughs> Just to put it mildly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. More recently, his notable role. <laughs> Like there'll be more missing than just popsicles from your freezer. That's yeah. all I'm saying. The Chillin Halls are a much more grounded family. It is yeah. true. More recently, his notable roles have included Prisoners, Nightcrawler, and uh, last year as Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. He was born on this day in Los Angeles in 1980. Yeah. Before Sarah Michelle Gellar, Christy Swanson was the original Vampire Slayer, playing the character Buffy in Joss Whedon's 1992 film. At that point, she was already well-known for her performances on Knott's Landing, as Simone in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and in the 1987 adaptation of Flowers in the Attic. She later appeared in Big Daddy with Adam Sandler, the superhero film The Phantom, and John Singleton's Higher Learning. She was born on this day in Mission Viejo, California, in 1969. Who's Simone in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I don't know. It's not a film I'm a huge fan of, so I haven't watched it too much. Oh, I see, I see. Well, Alyssa Milano achieved teen idol status in the 80s for her performance as Samantha Maselli on Who's the Boss from 1984 to 1992, Mm -hmm. during which she also appeared in the films Commando and Speed Zone and the TV movie, movie, sorry, Dance Till Dawn. She later appeared on a season of Melrose Place before taking on uh, the lead role of Charmed for eight seasons, which she and Rose McGowan are still fighting about on Twitter. She was born on this day in Brooklyn, uh, in Brooklyn, New York, in 1972. And as I've said in past episodes, I mean, everybody, oh, everybody yeah. in 1985 wanted to be her. And when I was the age of kids who buy like Tiger Beat magazine and all, because I used to buy all those magazines whenever I had enough money to, yes. there was always an article on her in every single one. Yes. Oh, she was huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I bought it for Madonna and I was 30. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, she was uh, always on it. <clears throat> Also, didn't she try to um? Didn't she try to organize some kind of Lissa Strada, uh, uh, sex boycott at some point a couple years ago? 
I she thought told, so. She yeah. Told women to not stop having sex with men so that men would stand up for women's rights. <laughs> oh, good uh... one. She's so smart. All right. A group of welders were brought into a room, Amanda, and shown the videotapes of three different actors auditioning for the lead role in Flashdance, and they were asked which of them did they want to sleep with the most. Wow. Jennifer Beals was chosen over Demi Moore and got the lead role in one of the biggest surprise hits of the 80s, the tale of a girl with big dreams of studying classical ballet while supporting herself as a welder by day. It was Beals' first major role, and the film was, of course, Flashdance. She had appeared in an uncredited bit in My Bodyguard before that, and it led to her roles in The Bride with Sting, Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage, and In the Soup in 1992. In 1995, she co-starred with Denzel Washington in the acclaimed but little seen Devil in a Blue Dress, which I highly recommend, and appeared in Whit Stillman's The Last Days of Disco, later scoring a hit with her role as Bette Porter on five seasons of the show The L Word, which a friend of mine worked on and said that she and Pam Greer were the absolute nicest people on the set. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, because she's like the most beautiful woman in the world, so she should also be nice. All right. So, which, uh, and she reprised the role of Bette Porter on last year's reboot of the show. She was born on this day in Chicago in 1963. I know she had uh, that role in the L word. She's done well. I feel like she's got an Oscar nomination in her. Like, I feel oh, like. Yeah. But, you know, you look I, at her filmography. It's very scant. I don't know how interested she ever was in really, like, pursuing that kind of, it, like, robust one after the other career. I mean, is that on her or is that on circumstance? You know what I mean? I don't know. but uh, I don't know. And I would guess that it's a little bit of both. Uh, I just think she she didn't quite get her due no uh, and I, I i could fully believe it how in the 80s this woman who is like stunning but also kind of ethnically ambiguous yeah wouldn't find her place but um there's I no way was, in the era of uh prestige tv that she couldn't yeah. do everything if she wanted a hundred percent i mean i i think she was slut shamed quite a bit after flash dance too i mean flash dance is a very it's a yeah. very ridiculous movie that ridiculous. like most of those bruckheimer jerry simpson movies was all about nothing and was pure flash that thrilled people. And there's nothing that sounds more eighties to me than produ- a producer, like those guys who were like snorting cocaine off of strippers st- stomachs while pulling welders into a room saying, which one do you want to fuck the most? Like well, I, it's the, it's the absolute eighties at its finest. It's a movie about strippers that don't strip. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. That's what it's about. I don't understand. It's like that bar never existed ever where women just kind of dance some some artistically with masks <laughs> like women dance in a bar that's seedy but they do it for their art and none of them take their clothes off but they are a little scantily clad like it doesn't it doesn't make I any and sense i watched it recently because i hadn't seen it since i was like six years old because my cousin mm-hmm. used to rent movies with my sister and they didn't care that i was in the room mm-hmm. uh, in case you're wondering why i'm so balanced and um <laughs> i just watched it again thinking is this movie as crazy as i remember it and i watched it again i'm like i remember everything perfectly like i yeah. it made it made more sense to me as a six-year-old than it does now it doesn't it never made any sense yeah. and she also couldn't dance but that's all. i mean neither could demi Moore. So. oh and watch it now that end scene it is so clearly uh, yeah. uh dance doubles like you can yeah. see their faces in a lot of the shots it's hilarious it's... how bold they are about it also i i watched it not too long ago in a hotel room somewhere in the last two years where is that dancing play take place? Like there's pictures of like legionnaires or something like, <laughs> like they, they rented like, you know, like the Mason, like it's all like army people on the walls. It, it doesn't make, it. it's supposed to be a ballet school with 
army portraits. It's like, oh, we can't touch it. That belongs to the location. Just leave it. It's like you're supposed to be this esteemed ballet school with all these army pictures on the wall. Anyway. Um, okay. Well, anyway, Nancy Keys only appeared in a handful of films, but she's a major part of horror film history under the name of Nancy Loomis. She appeared in John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 and then was cast by him as Annie in his masterful Halloween, the classic in which she has to take off her pants and wash them because she spilled a little oil on her shirt. She appeared as Janet Lee's assistant in Carpenter's The Fog. And then after marrying director Tommy Lee Wallace played a different role in Halloween 3 under her new professional name. She appeared in a TV movie and two episodes of television after that, but concentrates her career on her work as a sculptor in Los Angeles. She was born on this day in Falls Church, Virginia in 1949. Halloween is my friend Amy's favorite movie of all time, so we watch it every Halloween. And Every time we always say the same thing because she spills a little popcorn oil on her shirt and then goes to the laundry room, takes off her pants and like is down to nothing but a dress shirt and does and like washes her clothes. I'm like, first of all, why can't you just have an oil stain on your shirt? Like, I don't get it. But also, why are you taking off all your clothes because of a spill on your shirt? That's how girls work when when men write them. And Halloween isn't even like it's 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 a great example of of a great horror movie that's not misogynistic and the way that that genre has unfortunate tendency to be like the the cool girl and the nerd are best friends and like it's not about rivalry and you know even though like the character um uh, the character is kind of random in the way he kills people it's not about like punishing kids for being sexual or anything so i think it's funny that it does also include this element of young women conveniently getting naked for no reason whatsoever (laughs) yeah anyway Uh, Someone I deeply, deeply admire. Cicely Tyson was discovered by a fashion editor at Ebony Magazine and began her career as a model. Then in the late 50s, began acting in off-Broadway productions before making her way into television on East Side, West Side and I Spy. Then films with A Man Called Adam and The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. She was nominated for a Best Actress Oscar in 1972 for what I think is one of the greatest performances of the 20th century in Martin Ritt's Sounder. Then later appeared in the disastrous The Bluebird as Harry Tubman in A Woman Called Moses, Fried Green Tomatoes, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and Idlewild. She's 96 and still working, currently appearing on How to Get Away with Murder, for which she has received five of her 16 Emmy nominations, having three in the past, having won three in the past, for the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman and Oldest Living Confederate Widow Tells All. She received an honorary Oscar inscribed for, quote, unforgettable performances and personal integrity that have inspired generations of filmmakers, actors, and audiences. She was born on this day in New York City in 1924. The very funny Ken Marino met David Wayne in college, and they have worked together on a number of projects, including The State, Wet Hot American Summer, and The Ten. Plus, he has appeared on the series Burning Love and the films Wanderlust and We're the Millers. Wanderlust, by the way is actually maybe one of my up top top 20 films. Hilarious. I really do love that film. He was nominated for three Emmy Awards and was born on this day in Long Island, New York in 1968. Maybe not top 20, but definitely top 50. I get you. I get you. I, it's because it surprised me. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. 
Till Schweiger is one of Germany's most popular actors, crossing over internationally with the success of the sexually ambiguous comedy Maybe Maybe Not in 1995, which saw him cast in the Hollywood films The Replacement Killers and Judas Kiss. His career has continued successfully in Germany, plus he turned to directing in the late 90s and has made 15 features. He was born on this day in Freiburg in Briesgau, Germany in 1963. Scott Cohen uh, played Max on Gilmore Girls, later appeared on Necessary Roughness, The Carrie Diaries, and Allegiance. He appeared in the films Love and Other Drugs and Kissing Jessica Stein and was born on this day in the Bronx in 1961. Robert Urich appeared on television in the 70s before gaining fame on Vegas, for which he was nominated for two Golden Globes, as Peter the Tennis Player on one season of Soap, later gaining even more fame on Spencer for Hire in 1985. That's what I always remember him from. Mm -hmm. He was in the films Magnum Force and the Ice Pirates and the TV movie Lonesome Dove, making his last appearance in the TV movie Aftermath before his death in 2002 from cancer at the age of 55. He was born on the day in Toronto, Ohio in 1946. <laughs> Amy Locaine became a popular ingenue in the early 90s with her roles in School Ties and Cry Baby and on a season of Melrose Place, later appearing in Blue Sky and Carried Away with Dennis Hopper. She had a small role in Secretary with Maggie Gyllenhaal, but largely gave up acting in the 2000s, appearing in only three short films since 2009, partly due to her serving time in prison for a drunk driving accident that killed a 60-year-old woman. <clears throat> Following three years, it, it was determined that her her initial sentence was actually too lenient, and she was resentenced to eight years. As of this September, she had a month to appeal this new sentence. She was born on this day in Trent, New Jersey in 1971. Yikes. Yeah, so I I researched that, and I was like, I wonder what ever happened to her, because I remember us talking about her a lot when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I mean, it just took a turn, you know? I mean, of all the things I expected to read about what happened to her, that was not it. Amy Locaine, I need to yeah. look her up. I don't remember. Yeah, she was in a bunch of, she was in School Ties, and I remember, she was in a few of those movies, and I remember, like, girls in high school talking about her in that way that girls in high school talk about the young, uh, famous girls, where it's like, you resent them, and you're fascinated by them, and you watch all their movies, but you have plenty of bad things to say about them, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Teen idoldom, basically. Yeah. Uh, another favorite of mine on this list, the captivating and dangerous gap-toothed beauty of Beatrice Dalle was discovered by audiences in the Oscar-nominated French film Betty Blue in 1986, becoming a sex symbol who had an affair with Rupert Everett and later said in an interview, Rupert is gay, but I am Beatrice Dalle. <laughs> her acting career has been overshadowed by her colorful personal life, including her relationship with rapper Joey Star and her many run-ins with the law, including being arrested for cocaine possession and for slapping a meter maid i mean who doesn't i know she lost oh, and that's her calling right now she lost the olivia williams role in the sixth sense because the american government declared her an undesired immigrant after having been arrested during shooting another film in the states but her career has included impressive roles in films around the world including clean by olivia assayas night on earth by jim jarmusch and three films by claire denis who is one of my heroes i can't sleep the intruder and trouble every day she was born on this day in Brest, France, in 1964. Olivia Williams' role. So that is that the role that Tony Collette ended up playing? No, Olivia Williams plays his wife. Remember the? Or, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who was? 
Oh, and that's the girl's name is Olivia Williams. I see. The actress, yes. Got it, got it, got it. I thought that was the name of the character. Okay, well, anyway, Robert McNaughton is best known as Elliot's older brother, Michael, in the mega hit E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Never quite achieving the level of fame as his movie siblings, he appeared on a few episodes of television, but supported himself and his wife and his kids as a postal worker in the early 2000s before making uh, another two films in 2015. He was born on this day in New York City in 1966. One of the finest actors in the 20th century, Amanda, besides you, Ralph Richardson (laughs) was a star in London's West End in the 1930s, whose handful of film performances have kept his legacy alive for audiences around the world ever since. He was knighted in 1947 and was famously eccentric, once stopping a performance of his play to ask if there was a doctor in the house. When someone in the audience answered in the affirmative, he asked, isn't this a terrible play, doctor? He acted until the end of his life, appearing in the classics The Fallen Idol and Breaking the Sound Barrier, and receiving Oscar nominations for The Heiress and for one of his last films in Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, a nomination he was not aware of as he had passed away a year and a half before receiving it in 1983 at the Mm -hmm. age of 80. He was born on this day in Cheltenham, England in 1902. Jack Fisk is a production designer who's been working on films since the early 70s, doing the art direction for Days of Heaven, The Straight Story, Mulholland Drive, and The Master, not receiving his first Oscar nom until There Will Be Blood in 2007, and receiving a second in 2015 for The Revenant. While working on Terrence Malick film Badlands, he met Sissy Spacek, to whom he is still married, and she starred in his first of two of six efforts as a filmmaker, the films Raggedy Man and Violets Are Blue. He is the daughter of actress. He's the Shul- father. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> he is the father. Listen, I don't know what's happened for him. Gender's an illusion. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. He is the daughter. He is the father, sorry, of actress <laughs> Schuyler Fisk and was born on this day in Canton, Illinois in 1945. I think it's Skyler. I oh, think. yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, well, when you spell, he's the one who named her. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you know. No, that sounds like a Sissy Spacek thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's her real name? Isn't it like Susan or something? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It is, yeah. Gary Morton was a comedian who worked the borscht belt of resorts in the Catskills in the 40s and 50s, then gave up his nightclub career after marrying Lucille Ball in 1961 and focused on producing her shows. He made a handful of appearances on The Lucy Show and Here's Lucy, plus he had roles in Bob Fosse's Lenny and my favorite role of his as Meryl Streep's manager in Postcards from the Edge. Uh, He's the one that tells her she has to live with her mom or else she can't make the movie. Uh, I've never seen it. Oh, for God's sake, Amanda, what is wrong with your life? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. His last appearance on film was nine years before his death in 1999 at the age of 74. He was born on this day in the Bronx in 1924. Wow, what a group of people. And uh, as promised, uh, they are... Uh, committed to their personal goals and fearless yeah, right. yeah. uh, and probably like hard candy too well this was born on this day happy december 19th thanks for so much for joining us once again i'm amanda barker and i'm bill antonio 